This is Redemption Radio with Pastor Cody King of Redemption Calvary in Commerce City, Colorado. Here's a preview from Pastor Cody of today's message. Does my life line up with what I'm saying? You see, you don't take money advice from broke people, you don't take fitness advice from the flabby, and you don't take parenting advice from those who have uh, rebellious kids, do you? You pick people who have what you wish you had and you take advice from them. If you live like hell, no one's gonna take your advice about heaven. We cannot disconnect what we do from what we believe and think we're honoring God. Why would people listen to a message about some sort of religious nonsense that's disconnected from God? The Bible is pretty hard on hypocrites, and for good reason too. In today's message, Pastor Cody speaks about how people who teach one thing and practice another are simply not easily trusted. Think about it. Would you take financial advice from a gambler? Relationship advice from a cheater? You could learn from their mistakes, but you for sure wouldn't follow their guidance if they continued to make those terrible choices unapologetically, right? It's the same way with spreading the gospel. Now, turn in your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 10 and join Pastor Cody for today's edition of Redemption Radio. The righteousness of faith gives us access to the righteousness of God. That it's not by our stuff, by our ability, by our capacity, but it's by God and by His ability. And so, Uh, God, what he does through faith is he actually imputes. That's the Bible word. Or he gives. He actually gives you his righteousness. It's not that he gives you the ability to work righteous. It's not like Jesus says, hey, I did it. So now here, you you have to figure out how to do it. No, he actually gives you his own perfection. He he takes from you all of your failure, all your fault, all of your sin. uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 talks about that, that great exchange, that He made him, speaking of Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You literally are transformed into becoming the righteousness of God by faith in Jesus. God gives his own perfection to imperfect people. Now, verse 8, what it is, it's a continuation of the Deuteronomy quote that we saw in verses uh, 6 and 7. It's a continuation, the the very next verse. It's, It's not about going on a noble quest, but it's about what's in your heart and what's in your mouth. That God's way, even in the law, in the Old Testament law, has always been the way of faith. It's always been the way of faith. Here's how David Guzik says it. Friends, do you see what the grace of God does? Do you see what faith does? It actually, it it takes it totally out of the realm of earning and deserving and puts it within the realm of believing and receiving. You you can't earn and do anything to gain more access or favor with God. There's not a single thing you can do to make God love you more. When you enter into believing and receiving, then not only does he pour out all of his love on you, but he also pours out all of his power upon you to be what you wish you were. That's the amazing power of God. In verses 9 and 10, Paul goes on this commentary or this explanation of what we just looked at in Deuteronomy 30 uh, with verses 7 through 8. You see, these two parts work together to Bruce saving faith. But notice he points them out in reverse chronology. Look at verse 9. He says, for if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. So he he takes them in, in chronological order, but backwards. He says, if you confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. So this confession with your mouth is an outward physical manifestation. 
that it's something that comes out of you, the result of what's inside, but it's, it's something that comes out, that there's a physical manifestation that must take place. You see, an external uh, expression is important, but, but it's not everything because external expressions that are disconnected from internal conviction is merely religious obligation. Let, let me say that again. External expression disconnected from internal conviction is actually just a religious obligation. How many people do you know that go through the motions outside? Maybe even you do that from time to time. You just, you just kind of go, maybe, maybe even as, as Vince is leading us in worship and he's singing, you're, you're singing the words, you got the melodies right, you can do all the harmonies, but your mind is disconnected from what the words mean and you're just kind of going through the outward religious motion of singing because that's kind of what you do at church. It's very easy for us to slip into that. I, I do this stuff because that's what's right. I, I do these things because that's what good people are supposed to do. But not only is it an external thing with your mouth, but we continue on in verse nine. It says, if you confess with your mouth that the, uh, that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Belief in your heart is this second part that works together. You see, this is an inward personal conviction. It's not just an outward physical manifestation, but it's also an inward personal conviction, something that is within you. But so too, just like an outward expression only isn't enough, so too an inward uh, uh, conviction only is not enough. Inward, internal conviction, disconnected from external expression, is merely emotional manipulation. It's just, a, it's just a thing inside you that can make you feel better. You ever do that? You sort of just end up feeling better because maybe you, maybe you sort of confessed your sin to God, but you didn't do anything to try to make it right with that other person. And so emotionally, you sort of feel better, but you didn't actually do anything to make it right. And so you feel better inside, but you didn't do anything outside. These two have to work together, that there's something that takes place inside you, and the result of what's inside you has to come out of you physically, externally. If there's nothing on the outside, then what's on the inside really doesn't matter. If it's just on the outside and there's nothing on the inside, then what's on the outside really doesn't matter, even though it looks really nice and, oh, you're such a good person or whatever, that, that those things have got to work together. General religious goodness cannot save you and general belief in God cannot save you, that it has to be both working together. And that's what he says in verse 10. For with the heart, one believes into righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. This is how it happens. Your heart believes and your mouth proves it. What's inside is revealed on the outside. Look at verses 11 and 12. He says this, For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him shall not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, this has been God's plan throughout the entire Old Testament, this idea of faith. Yes, there's a law in the Old Testament and there's these things that have to be done, but even those things had to be done based upon an internal belief. It wasn't just motions for people to go through. It's always been God's plan throughout the entire Old Testament. It's not just a Jewish plan. It includes all people in all places. Notice the word whoever. It's repeated there twice in, the, in these three verses. And also all is repeated twice in these three verses. God makes an open invitation. He makes an open invitation to anybody who would be willing to come. If you're willing to come, the invitation is open to you. And yet, at the same time, it's not just an open invitation to anybody, but the same way for the Jew is also the way of the Gentile. 
that there's not like a, a, a Jewish church and then a Gentile church. There's not a, a, a church for the people of Israel and then a church for everybody else in the planet. No, God says, I'm going to make one church. I'm going to bring them together under this same banner of faith. And yet, there's our part in taking responsibility for this, is there not? It's not just God extending this. If, you, if you'll come, it's yours. You've actually got to do something with this. It's, it's like if I was to say that I wanted to give to you my iPad. I said, hey, you know what? I, I, just, I feel like the Lord is leading me to say, you need an iPad. And so here, I want to give you my, my iPad. And if I hand it out to you and I extend it to you, and I'm standing here holding it out to you, and you're like, man, I've, I've actually wanted an iPad. I, I think they're pretty cool. And I really want to play, play some uh, emoji blitz or something. And I've just been really looking for a bigger screen. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm handing it out to you. I can hand it out to you all day long. And it's not yours until you do something. You've actually got to take it. I can say it's yours. I can declare it's yours. I can, I can try to tell you that it's yours. I can try to leave it on your doorstep and, and leave it right there. But you've actually got to pick it up and claim it as yours. That's your part in this part of faith. That, that, that God, yes, he is sovereign. Yes, God chooses. Yes, God is over all and he's the one who has his way. And yet, and yet, you've got to actually take hold of what the Lord is offering you by faith. Thirdly, we see not only the righteousness of self and the righteousness of God, but in verses 14 through 17, the preacher's responsibility. There's a responsibility to the preacher here in uh, verses 14 through 17. Verse 14 says this, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how, how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they, be, they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. God uses two things to spread his gospel. There are two things that God uses to spread his gospel. Number one is the message. There's a message that has to be proclaimed. The word gospel, maybe you don't know that word or you're, you're not necessarily familiar with it, you've heard it, uh, but the word gospel literally just means good news. That, that's all it means. And so, well, the good news, there's got to be some news to deliver. There's got to be a message that's got to be delivered. And the message that's got to be delivered is that Jesus, who is God, stepped into human history in order to take your sin and go to the cross to bleed and die and sacrifice himself so that he might pay the penalty for your sin. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. And upon that resurrection, he proved that he's God. He proves that he has power over sin and death. And that by believing in this truth, it changes everything. That's the gospel message. Without that, without those components, there's no gospel message. Just general belief in Jesus is not enough. The Mormons have a Jesus. He's not the real one. The Muslims have a Jesus. He's not the real one. Jehovah Witnesses have a Jesus. He's not the real one. You've got to believe in the Jesus of the Bible. And that, that stuff that we just talked about, of those, those details are what describe the Jesus of the Bible. Without those things, there's no such thing as salvation. It's just a general belief in a guy named Jesus who didn't exist. Because the Mormon Jesus doesn't exist, the Muslim Jesus doesn't exist, the Jehovah's Witness Jesus doesn't exist. Only the Jesus of the Bible exists, and they don't preach that Jesus. That's the message. But there's not only a message, there's two components. There's a message that's got to be preached, that's got to be proclaimed, but there's also a messenger that's got to deliver the message. Well, what's a message without a messenger? Nobody hears it. Nobody knows. Nobody understands it. Nobody, nobody is able to have it impact them and come upon their lives because nobody's saying it. There's got to be a messenger that is there as well. God could have chosen any way to deliver his message. 
He could have said that he's going to just do it by divine impartation. He's just going to beam the message of the gospel into your brain. You know, and then there it is. I, oh, I hear this realization in my mind. I just, I just had God speak to me in my mind. That God could do that. He could use angels and you know, all sorts of supernatural kinds of things uh, to do that. He could use circumstances and you know, just things work out. You're like, oh, I understand the gospel now. Or even creation could take place and he could use that. And yet, even though God does sometimes use all of those things, God's chosen method of communication is people. That's what he's decided to use. I don't know why. It's, you know, it's, to me, it's, it's a, a really uh, not the best kind of a, 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 a tool to use because we're fallible, we're flawed, we get stuff wrong, we don't do it right all the time. Sometimes we forget stuff. Sometimes our, you know, we, our attitude is bad or wrong. He, I mean, there's a lot more effective ways of bringing his gospel message than using us. And yet that's what he's chosen. He's graciously chosen to use people. People are his preachers. If you have the message then you are the messenger. When it says the preacher, it's very easy for you to say, you know, oh, that, that's, that's me. That's the guy standing up front uh, yelling and, and getting sweaty and stuff. You know, that's, that's what uh, the preacher is. That, that's the role that I have. And yes, that's a role I have, and I'm grateful to do it and, and thankful that God would allow me to serve you in this way. But if you have the message, if you've believed in Jesus, if you've placed your faith in him, this means that you are the preacher as well. It's not someone who has a title or someone who has a seminary degree. He's given you access and he's given you influence with people who I never will. No missionary ever will, but you have access to people. You have influence with people who need to hear the gospel message and you have it. You have the gospel message. It's up to you to deliver it. You see, God is the one who sends his preacher with his message to those who have not, are not yet his people. So they will call on him in faith and be saved. So it's important, not only that the message is preached, but that the messenger is established. Here's how Ian Bounds in his book, Power Through Prayer, says it. He says, the character as well as the fortunes of the gospel are committed to the preacher. He either makes or, and if you're a woman, then just say she, either makes or mars the message from God to man. The preacher is the golden pipe through which the divine oil flows. The pipe must not only be golden, but open and flawless. This way, the oil will have a full, unhindered, unwasted flow. So here's the question I want to ask. Does your life promote or obstruct the gospel message? Would people say, I understand your words, but I can't hear them because your life's too loud? That's, that's a, a question I think we have to wrestle with. Does my life line up with what I'm saying? You see, you don't take money advice from broke people. You don't take fitness advice from the flabby, and you don't take parenting advice from those who have uh, rebellious kids, do you? You pick people who have what you wish you had and you take advice from them. If you live like hell, no one's gonna take your advice about heaven. We cannot disconnect what we do from what we believe and think we're honoring God. Why would people listen to a message about some sort of religious nonsense that's disconnected from God? Verses 16 through 17 says this, verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? You see, access to the gospel is the same to all, but proximity to the gospel is not the same for all. Israel was much, much closer. We read that last week in, in verses four and five of chapter nine, that they were much closer. They had all of these, these ways of getting closer to the gospel, and yet they chose to reject it. That's what Isaiah says. What a tragic thing. I think it's a tragic thing for us in America as well. We have so much access to the gospel 
There are so many Bibles. You have free Bible apps. You, I mean, you can listen to preaching uh, like we were doing here or online. And there's just so much access to the gospel. And yet, people still willfully choose to reject it. And it's a tragic, tragic thing. But notice verse 17, he says this, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is necessary for salvation. How do I get the message of the gospel? I didn't just make it up. I didn't just go to a, you know, some, some seminary and get a degree and they told me, here's what the parts of the gospel are. You know how I got the gospel? I got it out of the Bible. That, I got it out of God's word. God's word says exactly what the gospel message is. I don't have to guess at it. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to go through some religious hoops or whatever. The Bible clearly, directly defines what the message is. You see, preaching is not only for those who need to be saved, but it's for anyone who needs to grow in faith. Do you see that there in verse 17? It says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you need more faith? Do you need to develop in faith? Do you need maturity in faith? Do you need to overcome that sin or take that step of courageous faith in your life? Do you need God to come through in some supernatural way? God's word is absolutely central to that, which is why here at Redemption, we give all of our effort, all of our time to proclaiming God's word. We're going to open the scriptures. We're going to read the scriptures. We're going to explain the scriptures because faith doesn't come by you hearing five points about how to be a better you, or here's my tips on some other stuff that you need in your life that doesn't produce faith, which is why Christianity in our culture today is weak and feeble and people are malnourished spiritually because that's the kind of preaching they're getting. They're getting nonsense. No one needs your opinions about all this stuff that you think is important. Who freaking cares? It's not about what, 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 what makes that opinion better than my opinion. What makes my opinion better than your opinion? Who cares? Just because I can string it together and sound smart and say, oh, that's so wise. All that means is that you read a book and stole it from some other guy. Like, ridiculous. We need to open the scriptures. And what does is, what is the word of God actually say? That's where nourishment comes from. That's where life comes from. That's where healthy, mature believers come from. Come from the word of God being clearly preached. So do you need faith? Well, it's going to come from the word of God. You see, it's necessary for genuine faith. And many pulpits today are filled with these self-promoting motivational speakers that their whole point is gathering crowds. That's what they want. They just want a bigger crowd. That's what they care about. They don't care about faithfully delivering the word. They care about gathering a large crowd. They trade feeding God's sheep in favor of entertaining goats. That's what's happening across our country. That's why the chaos we see in our country, that's why the sin is rampant in, in our country, because there is no gospel there. There's only worldly wisdom for people posing as, as proclaiming God's. It doesn't do anything for any of us. You see, and, and the size of the church isn't what matters here. There are huge, massive churches faithfully preaching God's word. There are small churches faithfully preaching God's word. There are medium-sized churches. It's not the size of the church. It's the faithfulness of the preacher. Fourthly and finally, not only the righteousness of self, the righteousness of God, the preacher's responsibility, but 18 through 21, the hearer's responsibility. It's not just the preacher's responsibility to faithfully deliver the word, but you've got a role in hearing as well, that there's something that has to be done on the side of the hearer. Verse 18 says this, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First, Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. You see, Israel is the nation ordained 
by God with the eight benefits that we talked about a number of times in Romans 9, 4 through 5. That they're closer to the gospel than anybody else. But, and one major advantage that they had was God's word. It's the same advantage that we have here today. God's word gives us this direct access to the gospel. But, and so because of that, because they, they were the ones whom God entrusted his word to, they can't claim ignorance. You can't say, well, I just, I just didn't know. You see, sometimes people try to claim ignorance as an excuse for doing what's wrong. It doesn't make the action or inaction right. And usually when people claim ignorance, it's a total lie. It's like when you get pulled over by the cop and the first thing he says is, do you know what you did? And you're like, do I incriminate myself? Or like, the, you see the movie Liar Liar where he's like, <sighs> spits out all these things that he did. He's like, I don't know how long you were following me, but here's all this stuff. And, he's, <laughs> and then the cop says, do you have anything else? He's like, I've got unpaid parking tickets. And they pop out of his you know, the glove box. It's, it's, it's that thing. Do, how much do I incriminate myself? Because you, you know... 90% of the time, what you did, and it was probably speeding or you didn't use your blinker or stop correctly or something, but you know what it was. And even though you say, well, I, I just didn't, I didn't know what the speed limit was. That's not an excuse for doing what's wrong. You still deserve the ticket. And so if he gives you a ticket, the problem's not the cop, the problem's your speeding, right? That's, that's the way that this works. Ignorance doesn't get you out of not doing right or doing, uh, not doing wrong and doing right. It doesn't get you out of it. And so Paul says that Moses' prophecy in Deuteronomy 32 is being fulfilled there in verse 19, that God is going to use a foolish nation, Gentile people who aren't Jewish. I'm going to bring them into my family. I'm going to show my love to them. And I'm going to, I'm going to do to them what should be happening to you, Israel. And that's the whole point of that is to provoke jealousy within them. Verse 20, but Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. That Israel is this nation ordained by, excuse me, is uh, God's plan was always for the Gentiles to be saved. That was always his plan. It was never, it was never outside of his plan. Uh, the same way that Israel is saved. But Israel rejected God in Jesus and his plan for salvation. They arrogantly chose themselves and their way and their own self-righteousness. That's not just a Jewish thing, arrogantly choosing yourself. That's common in humanity. We're all that way. I, I don't want to have this. You ever had somebody give something to you and immediately you feel like you got to pay them back? They're like, hey, it's just a gift. Don't worry about it. No, no, no. I got I to gotta do something. I got to mow your lawn. I got to buy you food. I got to do, do something for you to pay you back. It's, it's like a, my neighbors. One of the things I've done ever since we moved into our house is, you know, that strip of grass. Maybe you don't have it, but there's a strip of grass between the sidewalk and the road. Uh, I, I always just mow that on both sides for both of my neighbors because it's sort of connected. I always feel weird like stopping halfway through and like, that's my property line, you deal with your own grass. So I just mowed it, I've always done it. I, always, I do the same thing with the snow, I'll shovel all the way down to their driveway on each side. And it's funny because uh, they, all of the neighbors we've had, we've had multiple neighbors on each side, they all end up doing the same thing. And it's because of this thing within you that's like, I can't have somebody do something nice for me, I've gotta pay them back. And that we treat God the same way. I can't, I can't have God just give, what graciously give me salvation? I got to pay him back somehow. I got to do something somehow. And that's just not the way that things work. We tend to believe that God has chosen us because of our goodness instead of his grace. And that's just foolishness. God didn't choose you or preach his gospel to you or let you come to faith and salvation in him because you're so awesome. It's because he's so awesome. It's the only way. Warren Wiersbe says in his book, uh, his commentary, Be Right, through Paul, God was stretching out his arms of love to his disobedient people, yearning over them and asking them to return. God's favor to the Gentiles did not change his love for the Jews. 
You see, people hope in all sorts of things to make them right with God. Their own sincerity and devotion. Maybe my good's going to outweigh my bad. Maybe God's just a fairy tale. And, you know, when I die, I won't even have to worry about all this stuff. And that's what they hope to make themselves right with God. But God's word clearly declares to you that you can only be made right with him through the cross of Jesus, through his blood. So here's the question. What are you hoping? What's the basis of your relationship with God? If you haven't started a relationship with God, then what's the, what, then that's it's got to come down to faith in Jesus. But it's also the continuation of your relationship with God. God doesn't like you more because of the good stuff that you do. No, it's it's actually the opposite of that. That his grace for me, his love for me is because of how great he is. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Redemption Radio as we study the book of Romans with Pastor Cody. Within this book, the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans about personal things such as greeting people he knows, but also touches on some deep theological concepts that can throw people at times. Romans is a foundational book when it comes to what you believe as a Christian. What you can't deny as you read through it is that there's a clear message of God's salvation. We as human beings are separated from God because of sin. But because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, He redeems all of that and brings us into relationship with Him. Do you have such a relationship with God? We certainly hope so. If you're uncertain what that means, don't hesitate to get in touch to clear up some of the things you may not understand about salvation. You can reach us by going to redemptioncalvary.org. Under the Connect tab, you'll find what we believe the Bible says about salvation. If you'd like to hear someone's voice over the phone, we can do that too. Here's our number, 720 466-5358. Once again, that's 720-466-5358. One more way to get in touch with us is over email. Our email address is info at redemptioncalvary.org. Thanks for listening, and make sure to subscribe to our podcast of Redemption Radio.